Hi, this is Danielle Krissa from The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 208 of Art for Your Ear. Once again, I am thrilled to say that today's episode is supported by Wireframe, a podcast all about creativity and design that takes an in-depth look at how design shapes our lives. I know lots of you, like me, have your roots in art and design, and that's exactly who Wireframe is made for. Creative professionals like graphic designers, UX designers, illustrators, typographers, artists, and activists. The host of the show is Koi Vin, the principal designer at Adobe. Fancy. I am going to give you an inside scoop on one of their latest episodes in a little bit, but until then, I will say thank you, Wireframe. Any creative podcast that supports another creative podcast, well, those are my kind of people. Search for Wireframe in your podcast app, and I've also got a direct link in the show notes for this episode over at thejealouscurator.com. So I met today's guest in early 2018, I think, (laughs) at a show in Vancouver. I saw her work on the wall first, and then I made sure I tracked her down before the night was over because, oh my word, I loved her stuff. Gio Swaby was born and raised in the Bahamas, but I met her when she was living in Vancouver. She's now based in Toronto because she's doing her MFA at OCAD, the Ontario College of Art and Design. Weird, I mentioned OCAD in my last episode. Hmm, must be something in the air. Also, fun side note, I used to live about a five-minute walk away from OCAD back in my Toronto days. Anyway, (laughs) let's go and talk to Gio because she is knee-deep in the middle of some very exciting moments in her art career, and I cannot wait to hear all of the nitty-gritty details. Ready? Calling Gio Swaby in Toronto. Hi, Gio. Welcome to Art for Your Ear. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Now, I was trying to remember... We met, that was at the um, Bombay Sapphire show, was Mm -hmm. that where we met? Yeah, yeah, that was the first time. I think I've been already like following your Instagram before that, but that was the first time we we met each other. Yes, and I remember see, I saw your work on the wall before I met you and I was like, (gasps) I loved it instantly. And I was like, I must meet this person. And then you were actually there. So we actually got, that was back in the day when there were gallery (laughs) opening and you like met people. Oh, what a time. Yeah, that was such a cool, yeah, that was, that was a good experience for me to meet you at that time. And just to like, because you know it was a pretty big show with lots of artists and it was it was good to just have like that like my work to be reaffirmed by a by a secondary like voice it was it was really nice so I appreciate how how long had you been in Vancouver at that point um I think that was like that was six years at that point okay okay yeah yeah um, okay, well, we're going to get to how you arrived in Vancouver and all that stuff in a minute. But um, on my podcast, I always like to go back in time. So, Gio, let's go back to the Bahamas. Let's talk okay. about, doesn't that sound nice? Let's talk about <laughs> being born and raised in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. And were you um, an artsy little kid? Uh, yes, I, I was definitely like the weirdest kid in my family. I have four <laughs> siblings. And they still make fun of me like to today because um, the Bahamas is like quite a religious place. So we used to go to church every Sunday, really. And I used to be like, 
I want to wear like, I want to wear like my swimsuit with jeans and then heels to church. That's what I wanted. <laughs> so that's why I was just like obsessed with like already, I guess, like what I wanted to wear and um, how I wanted to present myself and style myself. But also just like, yeah, I loved art making even from, from that time. I didn't have any like artists in my family per se, like as that is their profession, but a lot of creative people around me who I feel like really encouraged that in my life. Mm-hmm. At school and stuff or within your circle of family and friends? Uh, within my family and, and at school, I would say my mom was a um, seamstress. So oh. we used to do like little, like um, some little crafts together, like making clothes for my dolls and all of that kind of stuff with her. So that like, I've, I was around that kind of thing really early on fabric and thread, just explosion in the house. Which I was, was going to say, did she have a good stash <laughs> of fabrics? Oh yeah. Yeah. She used to make school uniforms. Like mm-hmm. every, all the schools in the Bahamas, we, we all wear uniforms. So she had fabrics for a bunch of different schools and then a bunch of different like casual wear fabrics. So it was really nice to, to just have access to all that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so funny that that's where you ended up. Well, probably not funny. It's probably exactly why you ended up where you ended up. But, um, (laughs) um, so when you were going through high school, was there, were you doing art in high school? Were you, you know, were you even thinking that this is where you were headed? I was doing art. I was, I, I like art was one of the subjects you could choose. It wasn't required. It was like, I think there was like a section with like art, home economics and, <laughs> and like something ra- like geography. <laughs> like, so <laughs> I was, I was always artsy. I was always like known as the person that would draw and do that kind of thing. So I was a natural choice for me in, in that um, section and um, I, I just felt like it was, I wouldn't say like that was everything I lived for in high school, but it was certainly my favorite subject there. I just felt more like myself when I was making art, even at that age, I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to say that I thought I would be like an artist, no, that was definitely, I didn't think that it it wasn't my plan for sure. Did, did you have a plan? Did you know what, like, what did you want to be? I didn't really have a plan. Like, oh my God, I remember my, my, <laughs> my grandmother, my mother's mother asked me like, what do you want to be? Like, what are you going to do? And I told her like, I didn't know what to say. I was like, I, I want to be a pediatrician. And then I didn't know how to tell her that, <laughs> That was a giant I'm, I'm lie. Not, I'm not doing that actually. <laughs> Cause every time I saw her after that, she would be like, I know you're going to do it. And I was like, yeah, uh, well, <laughs> I eventually did. She found out and she was very, um, she was very, very supportive. My grandma was a very like loving woman. So oh, it <laughs> worked so out. Sweet. In her head, she was probably thinking she should be an artist, but okay. If she wants to be a pediatrician, I'll support her. I'll support her if that's what she wants. <laughs> that's probably exactly what happened. Yeah. So funny. Oh my gosh. Um, and then, so you went on to do your BFA though, right? In the Bahamas? I did an associate. So at the okay. time there wasn't a bachelor's program. Okay. Um, you can only do like a two year program there, but I felt like it was at the college of the Bahamas. Um, I'm still very connected to the art community in the Bahamas and to those 
professors, actually, like Heino Schmidt is my partner, Stephen's brother. Okay. So yeah, very connected to those profs still. They, they really, I, I would say for me, that was the turning point at which I was like, this is a lifelong practice. This is something I'll be doing forever, whether it be like, this is the primary thing I'm doing in my life or, you know, in, in conjunction with other things. I knew that I, from that program, I knew that I had like, I, I just felt a, a calling to that mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to continue to pursue it. What were you doing? Were, were you painting or what were you doing when, like, so many people go in as a painting major and then find mm-hmm. their thing while they're in there. So what, what did you sort of focus on at the beginning? At the beginning, there's no, like, you can't focus in that. It's just a fine arts, but it's more traditional. So it's like, it is painting. You learn drawing, um, ceramics, a little bit of sculpture. So you have to do, basically learn the, you kind of have to learn the basics of all of those forms of making. Mm -hmm. And then um, you, you can figure out, there's like a show that happens at the end called Color of Harmony which is a really sweet name, actually. I love it. Um, and you kind of decide what, what work you want to make for that and which area you want to pursue. And so what did you do? I ended up making paintings. They were, they were mixed. I don't know if they would even be, they were on wood, but they were mixed media. Like I used a lot of foul material, but Mm. I was already working a lot, not in portraiture, but with, with the floral material already. So, and I feel like I really developed my basics of um, design and color theory and, and kind of like figuring that part out through that early practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was so curious when the fabric made it in there. It's so funny. I was a painting major too, but at one point I remember thinking there's barely any paint on here. Mm-hmm. It was like thread and found paper and glue. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think this is painting, but I don't know. there was no collage. There was no you know, and that wasn't really supported at my school. So it was like, mm-hmm. I was a painting major who barely ever used paint. Yeah, I guess that's why I'm a bit happy now that, like, I, I'm really supportive of that push toward the interdisciplinary. And um, it, it helps you to not have to define the materials of your practice so much, which, which can hold you back a little bit sometimes. Um, because sometimes I'm thinking of like starting with this concept and perhaps the material doesn't really fit that. I want to work with material that supports the overall conceptual work that I'm doing. Um, so that's why I definitely feel more comfortable in a, in a program that allows it. Or you'll always have this feeling of like, I'm out of place and I am like still finding my way instead of understanding that, you know, your way may just not be one just one medium. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a perfect way to say that because I think people do get stuck, you know, and I know I've talked about this before is that for me, I think because I graduated with a diploma that said painting, Bachelor of Fine Arts painting major. To me, after that, I I was so blocked because if it wasn't painting, it wasn't real art Mm -hmm. in my brain for me. I loved everybody else's, you know, mixed media stuff. But for me, it was like, oh, well, if it's not a painting, it, it, it doesn't count. And um, I love that. It's the concept first. And then you figure out the material that will bring that concept to life. What, no matter what that material is, it might be clay. It might be mixed with photography and thread and who knows what, right? Mm-hmm. As, as long as that your story comes through. 
Right. And I also too support like, you know, working in the opposite way. If you want to start with that material first, sometimes the material is what is speaking to you initially in your process. And that's where you want to start. Um, you know, it's just like, I don't feel like it has to be so, it doesn't have to be such a rigid thing. I feel yeah. like if we let go of some of those boundaries, a world opens up to us of what we can and can't do. And it just becomes, well, what, what, what do you want to do? That's amazing. Is that sort of how you felt at school? Like that was sort of this kind of support that you got? I, I mean, we were like for the, like those first, that first year level, it was like, you know, you need to learn the rules before kind of like breaking those rules. Yeah. So it's like, you know, learn how to use the material, learn about color theory, learn, you know, about the shape and the line. And then when you have that basis, then you go into exploration a little bit more, which I think was, a, was it like a good path for me? Mm-hmm. And that definitely was supported like that, um, that cross-disciplinary and interdisciplinary play of uh, material and of practice. And when you were there, were were you already doing figurative work? Uh, No, I don't think I made any figurative work, really. I felt, I guess, intimidated a lot by the figure because I had, it was like the learning curve for me of coming to terms with that mode of working was difficult. I don't know what the difficulty was for me. I don't even think it was like about technique or anything. I think it was more just like, how do I approach like representing someone? Mm. And it just felt like a monumental, and it is, it's a responsibility, right? So I, I guess I felt more comfortable exploring other things and kind of like building that part up first. What, what were you doing? Was it, was it more abstract work or what were you doing in school? It, it was still like representative. I, it was, uh, I guess I was making like, um, most of them were um, like abstract floral type of designs, mm-hmm. which I can share, I guess, a little bit with you. I hope it's not embarrassing to me when I look back at them. Um, but I still have a couple. Of It'll have to be in the retrospective at some point, Gio. Oh you my did, you gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I was working. I, you know, like that, I feel like that still is connected so much to my practice today, but that's what I was doing most of. It was like floral abstract type of um, paintings with, they were mixed media, like found objects. I was using ink and paint and um, just anything. I could kind of get my hands on staples, paper. It's just like, let's just, let's put it all on there. (laughs) (laughs) So when you finished, did you come straight to Canada after school or were you, did you stay in the Bahamas for a bit or? I stayed in the Bahamas for a bit. I've never done, of all like my educational journey throughout it, I always like um, take breaks in between. Mm -hmm. Um, just because I want to have that time to reflect on the work that I've done and reflect on that practice a little bit. And, uh, I feel like sometimes when you go through a program, it can, cause I, I feel like almost being in school is kind of like the experience can almost be like a, like, I guess, hyperbolic. You learn a lot in a little bit of time. There's a lot to do. And um, it it can drain you a little bit, I feel, to work in that way. 
although I enjoy it so much, I prefer to take it in segments and then I can really, really reflect on what I've done. So I, I did take a break in between, focus a little bit on like professional practice for, um, for that time. But for me, I, I don't really separate them. I've, I've always been like, a, what you call it, like a working artist and then also in school at the same time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So what, how did you come to Vancouver? Was it because of going to Emily Carr or did you come for another reason? Oh, it was because of Emily Carr. There oh, were okay. a, like a, the school was recommended to me by a few, um, another Bahamian artist, Lindsay Brennan uh, went there. I knew that she went to the school and then also, um, another Bahamian artist, Kim Smith, I, I'd heard of the school and I just wanted to ex, like see what it was about and explore it a little bit more. And um, in doing research about where I wanted to go, it felt like a, a good fit for the next part. I was interested in exploring at that time, again, something different. I'd studied film, video, and integrated media at, <laughs> at Emily Carr. So I know I read that on your different. CV and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know I, I, you know, but in that program, the thing I liked about it was again, like, because it was like so many different aspects and also that integrated media part, I kind of was able to do whatever I wanted. So (laughs) it was good. Like I did like, of course I did like the film and the video classes, which I feel like informed this, like the community aspects and the conversational aspects of my practice now so much. I also did like uh, one big turning point for me was a performance class I did with um, my professor, Randy Cutler at that school. It was, I just felt like I learned so much about myself in that class. Mm -hmm. I felt like that was one of the biggest challenges for me, like to put myself out there and to really explore and I feel like I released a lot of fear, a lot of fear of um, failure through that class and embraced like that failure as a part of the process and actually like a, a, a building block toward the work that I want to make. Wow. That is me. Yeah. Cause that is vulnerable. I've never done anything like that. And it's um, like, I did a lot of drama and stuff uh, in high school and I did second city when I lived in Toronto and that's one thing I don't know but that felt like there was control there for me mm-hmm. performance art feels very vulnerable to me and the people who do it do it so well and mm-hmm. I just admire it so much like when I was in Venice last time I met an amazing performance artist who of course I'm blocking his name Andrea somebody anyway and he was amazing and yeah just put himself completely out there mm-hmm. they're just performance artists just have this they're so generous with the work that they're doing Mm -hmm. and um sharing so much of themselves with it that's like that's not an that's not easy and um, vulnerability in art and in life is hard it's really hard did you have any crying moments did you cry during any of (laughs) it i feel like i cried in class a couple of times (laughs) at least like watching other people do their performances and and like it was that class felt like to me like a little family like that's what we developed it was like a safe space to explore and when you see someone 
doing that exploration and um, offering up this vulnerability to the group, it is a really moving process. It's mm-hmm. like a very emotional, um, it's a very emotional process. I can imagine. Like, I, I yeah. Um, were you still there when Emily Carr was on Granville Island? Yeah, I yeah. graduated before I'd left. Yay. I mean, I'm sure it's amazing where it is now too, but there, I love Granville Island and Mm -hmm. it was just such a special place to have an art school. Yeah, it was beautiful. Like, you know, it was just a beautiful place to, I was stunned by the just beauty of Vancouver in general and having the school on Granville Island. I was like, what is this place? Uh, this is know, like, it's amazing. <laughs> it's like well, that's what I was going to ask. So had you been to Vancouver before you moved there? Oh, no. <laughs> had you been to Canada at all? Or had you no. traveled? No, I had never been to Canada. I never, definitely not Vancouver. Um, yeah, I you couldn't just... have picked a further <laughs> part of Canada from the Bahamas. Yeah, well... absolutely you're completely right it was (laughs) and I felt like I don't know I think it was this thing of like I want to I want to find myself like I'm gonna go on this journey and it's gonna be far away from home and then you have to take like the you know it takes like 20 hours of travel time to get back home you're like wait was this a good idea yeah Um, (laughs) and so what did you think when you got there were you excited or scared or both uh, I guess both. I was both. I, I moved with my partner, Steven. Yeah. So that was like, good. We already had that support system built in, which was nice Yeah. for, for both of us. Um, so it was really exciting, but also really scary. I had never been there before. I didn't really know what to expect, I guess. And it was fully like major culture shock for me. Um, you know, there was this amazing, beautiful place, but I did not see myself a lot in that, in that place. Like there was the population of black people in Vancouver is quite small. Um, so I, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me. And then prior to that coming from the Bahamas, which is like majority black country was full, like complete 180 total different experience. But what I appreciated about that was that it was a way for me to in like intentionally seek out community. Mm-hmm. And I really, really felt such a strong bond and support from um, the people I did make those connections with in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And how did you find those people? It was it at school or was it within the art community or? Well, I kind of, I don't want to say f- course but I strongly <laughs> implied that two of my other friends from the Bahamas Veronica and Keishel should also come <laughs> I was like we're already here all you have to do is just come and we'll go to school together so they moved to Vancouver so we were like you know friend group Bahamians it was a great it was amazing experience and then there was like other people like two of my friends Chase in Berlin they also went to Emily Carr and um, I just connected with people, some people through school. And then I don't like a lot of it was organic because mm-hmm. I feel like there's such like this, this reciprocity between um, with, between black people, especially in communities where there aren't very many of us. 
where we we automatically reach out to support and, and reach toward one another and make those connections. So a lot of it felt like really natural and and like like organic connections being made. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was wondering too, when you were just saying that about, um, you know, when you arrive somewhere where you don't see yourself a lot and you go to seek out that community, did it influence your work too? Because your work is so like, you know, when you grow up <clears throat> in an area where everyone looks like you and people have the same values as you, you don't really see your specialness because it's just mm-hmm. every, you know, but when you're out of it, like I always talk about Canadian heritage, it's like, wow, what does that mean? Like, we're not a very, mm-hmm. we're not a very old country. We, what beavers and maple syrup? Like, what am I supposed to hang my hat on? Right. But when you're not here, when I'm in Europe or Australia or whatever, suddenly you have this connection to being Canadian, you mm-hmm. know, and you kind of start to understand what it means more when you're away from it. And so did you have that kind of thing, like where you kind of looked at your heritage in a different way, being in such a white, <laughs> white place? Oh, for sure. I had that moment, first of all, of like really learning to appreciate my family and my family members. Um, I feel like we became, I don't know if it was because I was just getting older and getting out of that phase, like, oh, my family. Oh my yeah. God. But- <laughs> they never let me wear bathing suits and high heels to church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, you know, now I can finally do that. Anyway, um, live so the I, dream, Gio. Live the dream. <laughs> now I got to post a picture on Instagram soon. I like, know. Here I am at church. Yeah. Um, any, <laughs> so I feel like I really, really became so much closer to my family. Like uh, with that distance, I learned to, you know, I I just wanted to be around them so much more and. Um, I love them the same. I don't feel like it was like I had less love or more love, but my appreciation and gratitude toward them certainly um, was re- was like it grew a lot. And then for my culture as well, I started to, you don't realize the day, you're right about that, like just the day-to-day interactions, how different they are from place to place. And I started to appreciate Bahamian people, you know, so much. There's like a real openness to it. And that can go, you know, to two sides, it's like an openness and honesty. So you can picture like the side that can go on with being like very blunt, very honest, but also <laughs> like just being able to like share a laugh with someone that you don't know in a public space or like really connect with them on a level that's just, it's it's just really beautiful to me, I guess. They're, you know, like I would say Bahamian people are incredibly um friendly people and I love that I love that I love I missed actually saying like good morning every time you pass someone you know yeah. and enter a room you don't really do that and I, I remember I went to Emily Carr I started doing that I was like good morning when I went into class everyone was just like okay <laughs> I know. well Vancouver I is notorious Vancouver is notorious <laughs> if if you didn't grow up there or if you don't know a ton of people there, it's so hard to make friends in Vancouver because mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Everybody's very much in their own little world. Yeah, I noticed that a lot. It's like a very Vancouver thing. That was one of the 
that was one of the things that was, I felt like, oh my gosh, I never had trouble connecting with people before, but now I'm like, I'm like, I felt like, like an alien. I was like, did I just come from space? What is like, I felt like it was so hard to connect. And I recognized it was just like a, that's just a different, like the cues that I would get from maybe a Bahamian person of like, oh, let's be friends was not the same cue in Vancouver. So when people did that, I was like, oh, I see you want to be friends. (laughs) And it was like, uh, actually that's not what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) Did you, did you keep saying good morning or did you, did you crack them and make them say good morning back to you finally? No, I got tired. I was like, you know what? It's not a good morning. So <laughs> it's raining kidding. again. Yeah. That's the other thing. How did you feel? What what month did you move there? I moved oh, January. Oh, I moved no. there like yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a shock. Um but I I was I don't know. Everyone's like the rain, the rain Vancouver. It does rain a lot, but it's not like rain in the Bahamas is like hard. Like you right. can feel that, you can hear it hit you. Yeah. And, it falls. <laughs> yeah. and like the um, water is like immediately up to your ankles. So I was like, Vancouver, most of the time it's like, we call it spraying in the Bahamas. Yeah. I think they would call it like misting. Yeah. Where it's like, it's wet all the time, but at least it's not like, you know, I'm going to get, you know, like down to the knees. Yeah. In this. yeah. <laughs> the rain, the rain never really bothered me in Vancouver either. Um, but I'm Canadian. I just really like that it wasn't freezing cold because I I lived in Toronto. We're going to get to to talking to you about winters in Toronto after living in the Bahamas. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, the rain never bothered me in Vancouver, but I always wonder who people who come from hot, beautiful places, if they're like, what the? <laughs> and you need so many umbrellas. My sister loves Vancouver. She's lived there for years and she's she loses stuff all the time. The big joke in our family is her umbrellas and black cardigans. I think she's lost like 5,000 of them littered all over. You know, if you, if you find an umbrella or a black cardigan in Vancouver, it's probably my sister's. But you always have to have an umbrella with you. Fold it up in your bag because you mm-hmm. never know. Yeah, you, know, you really ready. never know. I, I did always do that. I have like different size umbrellas. When I wanted to have a tiny purse, I just get like that really small one. Or yeah. like if I had a backpack, I was like, I'm taking my real umbrella today. I'm going to be comfortable. But my partner is like that too. He, he got, he was like, I have to find the perfect, what is the perfect umbrella? He bought like this $40 umbrella. It was like wind. It was giant umbrella. It was like windproof and all this stuff. I lost it. Lost like three in a couple of weeks. Of course. So, of course. Then he started uh, stealing mine. So there's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, Stephen, no. Um, and so how long were you guys in Vancouver then? A long time. Yeah, I think like seven, over seven years. We were there for some time. Yeah. We moved there in 2013 and then left in 2020. So yeah, yeah. like just about yeah, seven years. Wow. And so we met in 2018 at that show. Mm-hmm. And the work that was in that show, it's from a series called, what's it called? She Was Afraid of Hair Comb. I think for that show, it was Going Out Clothes for that was one. It? Yeah, it looks similar to, to Hair Comb, but those are a little bit bigger. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I love that work instantly. I mean, I love your work now. I love where it's going. Um, there was something about 
maybe I saw that. And then I went and researched you mm. <laughs> and found the, <laughs> found the oval ones there. Cause there was just mm-hmm. something so, um, almost like looking in a mirror, those oval mm. ones with the, with the lacy frills around the edges. And, mm-hmm. um, those ones are actually, I was thinking about this on my drive, dropped my son off at school and I was coming home to, <laughs> to first brush my hair and then call you. <laughs> and I was like, is all of your work to scale? Like, are all of your figures, they're always like life-size, right? Whether it's like just the portraits or the full body, right? I, I feel like from scared of hair comb onward, I have been working probably like 90% in life-size. I do okay. make some smaller that are more like just head to shoulders portraits that aren't aren't one-to-one okay. but when I'm making those I make like 25 so it's still like it has like a you know there's there's like a grandness to it and you hang them like you all hang them all together in a grid or something mm-hmm. yeah okay. usually I will display them like all together in in, okay. a, in a grid or like I guess sometimes like salon style right well those ones that I saw so the the sorry going out going out going clothes? out clothes yeah have you done one with bathing suit jeans and high heels you know what I have not but there's your next one you need that is to do that <laughs> I have chills man that was such a good idea <laughs> oh my god well I, I just I think what I loved about the oval one so much is that it felt like looking in a mirror and are th- those ones are self-portraits aren't they yeah, so the going out clothes I made, the one that you saw that the in um in the Bombay Sapphire show, that was a self-portrait. A lot of the a lot of my works are self-portraits. Yeah. And is that why they are a lot of them are one-to-one scale? Is uh, it sort of that's... about that? Like like it seemed it's so personal. And I love that they're actual scale because it just when you're standing in front of them it instantly creates a conversation because this Mm -hmm. person is the same, even though it's very often silhouetted or just the the thread drawings, it's one-to-one. So you're sort of standing in front of the you basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's certainly part of it for me. Um, The one-to-one scale for a lot of my works is important because um, you know, so much of my work is about blackness and womanhood. I'm representing black women and I want those portraits to really take up space Mm -hmm. and to command that space I want that to be unapologetic and uh, that's about that's what the one-to-one is to me it creates like this it does create like a, a kind of like grandness to the portrait you really can get like a sense of that person because essentially mm-hmm. you are looking at what they would look like to you yeah because that's the real size of their body also like when you have multiple I feel like multiple portraits of um life scale all together um part of what I'm doing with my work is wanting to create a space especially for black women and girls when they come into the space it feels like if it feels like the uh, community, I guess they it's it's creating a safe space for them to a safe space for celebration and um, to be themselves and to also look at those portraits and to see themselves represented is part of what I am wanting to achieve and get at with these pieces. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just going to jump ahead of myself here, and then I'm going to go back and ask you more questions. But your big amazing show. 
at Claire Oliver Gallery that you just had in New York. Oh, I know. The pictures, and I'm saying this so that I can put this in the post, so many pictures of Black women and girls recreating the poses Mm -hmm. and taking selfies of recreating the pose. Like, did that give you chills? Oh my God, that gave me tears. Chills. I was like, Every time I see it, I'm like, this is what this is about. That's why yeah. I'm making the work. And I, it's like, it's like a confirmation. The people that I'm making the work for are connecting to it and seeing themselves in it. And um, that's so, 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 so important to me. I would say it's like one of the most important things to me. Like, of course, I was super excited and so honored by the incredible press the show received, like the incredible reception that it received and but seeing those images to me was like just such a monumental experience it was like so emotional and and evocative for me because I felt like I am I'm I'm reaching this goal that I kind of set out for the work which, you know, when I'm making it in this space, it's just me and I don't know how I feel affected by it. I, you know, I yeah, feel you've very got, affected by yeah, it. Yeah, and you've got, you've got a plan in your mind of how you want it to connect with people, but you're alone in your, in quarantine, <laughs> making yeah. work, wondering if it's going to connect. And, and to see that is just like, you know, that's, that's the proof for me that, and that's just like the, that's just like the affirmation for me that, you know, I'm achieving what I want to achieve with my practice. It feels really, really good. Yeah, it should. I'm just, uh, I mean, I, I commented on one of um, the gallery's posts where I was like, I want to tell the whole art world. I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I discovered you because you were working and doing lots of things before I ever found your work. But I just remember at that show thinking, who is this woman? Mm -hmm. And I just knew like so many things were coming your way. And I just am so saying I'm proud of you sounds so condescending and it's not the right word, but do you know what I mean? I'm just like, just over here clapping as hard and as loud as I can. Cause I'm just like, Oh, so awesome. Like, Mm -hmm. I just love that you're doing what you want to do and you're doing it so beautifully and you're reaching people and, um, yeah, all of the Thank things. Thank you. I'm so grateful for that. And, and for your platform as well. Like the thing that I love about the work that you do is I'm introduced to so many artists that I didn't know before. You know, you they some people don't have um, the, some of the people that you're sharing to, you know, your really your incredible audience. They don't have uh, that major platform themselves. And for you to find this work, you know, and see the value in it before it's been like, before that's been given to you. It's just incredible. Like you, I feel like that's really a gift, honestly. Well, I, I, it's so funny. I get such a high from it. You know, like if I write about someone (laughs) and they get like a thousand new followers, I'm like, yes. Like I just keep checking all the Yeah, that happened to me. Like, that's how Claire, Oliver Gallery, that's how Claire connected with my work. So that's really, you know, from from seeing it on your Instagram page. So that's crazy. I, I, I can identify that. that as a real turning point for me. Yeah, I feel like I should add matchmaker to my business card. <laughs> <laughs> like, so 
certainly worked out for me. So (laughs) it's like introducing the perfect couple and then they get married and have babies and you're like, I knew it. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I'm going to rewind a little bit because I want to ask you about, because you've got some work where it's like silhouette, but then you've got some work where you actually sew the features on, like it's almost like a drawing with thread. Mm -hmm. Um, When did those start? And, you know, you were saying about like that doing figures in school felt very monumental and like a huge responsibility and you're doing it. And so um, what was, what was the first sort of sewn um, portrait and were you, was it an experiment that you turned out to love or like, how did that, how did you start doing those? Um, so I already was really connected with sewing from my mom and learning to sew from her. Um, but she, she was a seamstress, like a dressmaker. So I learned a lot of the like sewing and techniques like that from her. And when I, um, I think I had just finished at COB college of the Bahamas and I met a quilter, Jan Elliott. I was in a residency at um, pop-up studios in Nassau, Bahamas. And I met another quilter there and I was just like, whoa, this work is incredible. And I was telling her like, I already know how to sew a little bit. I would love to learn what you're doing. And she was so incredibly kind and generous. That's like the community spirit of quilting that I love. And she showed me techniques from quilting. Like I went over to her house, which has like her whole sewing room and studio. And she let me use some of her machines. And she showed me a technique like free, free motion um, sewing and when she showed me that, I was immediately like, oh, I want to make a portrait out of this. I know, like, I know what I want to do. I want to use this to draw, which, you know, quilters and, and other embroidery artists have already been, been doing, but I hadn't really seen examples of it that way at that time. So I was so excited and I had my own machine at home that could kind of do that. And my first portrait was, it was okay. It wasn't like... It wasn't like, it wasn't like, whoa, like, this is my, like, I wasn't immediately. (laughs) I'm a genius. (laughs) Exactly. I didn't have that moment, but I did have a moment like, I have to pursue this. This is what I want to do. And I can become a bit, I'm, you know, a bit of obsessive about certain things. So that was my obsessive thing at the time. I was like, I'm going to just make a bunch of portraits. Like I need to practice this technique. I need to, because it takes a lot of um, stability and it takes a lot of practice. It's not something yeah. that it, and also if I stay away from the sewing machine for a little bit and come back, you lose some of that like muscle memory a little bit. So mm. um, it was a lot of like building up and practicing, which is very in the spirit of quilting that there's a lot of um, labor and learning involved. And then I had at the end of that residency, I had a show that was like all the, the portraits were like 11 by 14. I think most of them, they were small. Um, but I had a show that was like 10, 10 portraits. I, I think 10 or 12 at that time. Wow. there's so, what do you prefer? Like, do you, I mean, I guess lately you've been kind of combining like the flat fabrics, like the pattern fabrics with the drawing is, is, is that, do you have a favorite way of working? Cause there's some that are all silhouettes, some that are all drawing and some that are combined. 
Mm-hmm. I guess my favorite way of working is just um, exploring. Yeah. So um, the works are all really, really very connected, especially like yeah. conceptually for me. And also visually, they, they are connected. But um, I love exploring. Like, I feel like that's part of the practice that's the most for me. That like research creation, that learning through making, that exploration. And that's part of why the work for me will continue to evolve. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't really, I wouldn't say I have like, I prefer to work with this. They all have like their, the points that are the most, there's points in every artistic process and every art making process that's like, I hate this part and I love this part. (laughs) So for me, it's, I have that part with all of them where it's like, can I just like fast forward this really like this part and and get to like the putting all the patterns together or you know so I I yeah I they're all my they're all my babies I love them equally and sometimes they have tantrums and you just have to put them in the corner that's fine sometimes they deserve that yeah (laughs) all right while a few of Gio's babies are having a time out I'm gonna pop in with a little design meets exercise story for you So I have been all about getting back in shape lately because after a year of doing nothing post-surgery, my doctors have finally given me the go-ahead to exercise at full capacity. You guys, I joined a boxing gym. Yep, I get to relieve my stress with punching and kicking stuff while getting fit. Win-win. My husband, Greg, on the other hand, is all about spin classes. He actually teaches a couple of classes outside and of course with protocol at um, a local gym. FYI, I've only been to one of his classes because I hate spin. (laughs) Anyway, for a long time, Greg's dream was to get a Peloton bike. That's all he talked about. Well, the episode of Wireframe that I just listened to is titled, Does Peloton's Design Actually Help You Exercise More? Oh man, does it? Peloton is super popular at the moment, but is that because the UX design and connectivity is so good, or do people just prefer sweating profusely in the privacy of their own home? Host Koivin and two of his producers, Dominic and Pippa, talk about this and a bunch of other quote-unquote connected fitness apps and programs. Turns out there's one called Fight Camp that tracks your punches through gloves with sensors in them. I would try that. Basically, as long as I don't have to sit on a bike for an hour, I'm in. (laughs) You can find Wireframe wherever you get your podcasts, and I've also included a direct link in the show notes for this episode. All right, let's go back to Gio. There's a little newspaper that just wrote about her, and I've got some questions. Let's talk about the New York Times. Oh my gosh, yes. What the what? My words exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Was that like a crazy pinch me moment? Oh, yeah. I was like, um, did you say New York Times? (laughs) I just want to make sure. (laughs) I think I screamed at my computer when I saw that post. I was just like, oh my God, so excited. Yeah, it was just an incredible, incredible moment where, you know, and, and that article for me was just so good. I, I really enjoyed the, you know, there's this nervousness when you have like 
something to come out and you know it's going to be on a big platform but I like I connected with the writer Pierre for that interview and he was so just such a lovely person immediately I was like yes like (laughs) what he was so lovely and he's um he's Haitian and I'm Haitian so we were like yeah Caribbean like we cousins you know so it was a really fun I'm so glad that I got to work with him for that and um it was just like I I couldn't have asked for a better experience there but yeah I had people well that whole show was just so well received which I'm not surprised Mm -hmm. about such great press um did you sell out the whole show has has everything sold yes I you know yes I did it was it's you know that's Claire that's that's the Claire Oliver gallery um I just have to she is like I I'm just in awe every time. Like she's just, I think we're a really, really great team. We're both really hard workers and we both like have our parts of the process kind of down. Mm-hmm. We work really well together. I feel really, I, I'm so happy about the that connection that we have and to be with this gallery too, because my work is, I feel like my work is being positioned really, really well, which is important to me the collectors that my work is going to, where my work is being shown, you know, the ga- galleries in Harlem. So that's a Black neighborhood. What a beautiful way to, for my first solo in, in the States. Perfect yeah. place. Yeah. yeah. And her roster is so amazing too. Speaking mm-hmm. of amazing um, quilters and fabric, um, she represents Bisa Butler. Mm-hmm. Did you get to meet her when you were there? Oh, yeah. Everyone's so like, honestly, I was like, you know, there's this whole thing with the art world. Like, it's like, like a dog eat dog kind of world. And I know that's true in some aspects. But um, Claire, she originally talked to me in a conversation. She was like, I was like, you know, I love Pisa's work. She's amazing. (laughs) She's like message, send her a message on Instagram. She'll she'll just be chat. She'll be so happy to chat with you. I messaged her. She had like, you know, 50,000 followers or something at the time. I was like, there's no way she's going to see this. She got back to me like right away. She was like, I'm so excited. She was just the sweetest. And she was like, call me, let's talk. And I'll tell you all about the gallery. And I felt like we just had, like, we talked for like over an hour and she was so generous, even though she's so, you know, has so much going on, such a busy artist, but she was just She's just the sweetest, honestly. And um, that solidified it for me that, you know, this is where I want to be right now. And um, also just looking historically at the gallery, really, really championing, championing, championing. (laughs) (laughs) Tough word. Like underrepresented artists. You know, there was a lot, because around the time I signed with the gallery, there was a major... um, there was a major push on social media toward uh, celebrating Black artists and um, uplifting Black artists, which was beautiful. But there was also this moment of some of it can be like a little bit predatory in some ways. Like some people just want a token Black artist or like there's a demand for it now. We need someone to fill that spot. And I was wary of that. I didn't want that to be me. And Claire, you know, I just looked at the history of that gallery. I could see that's not, that's not where it's coming from because her roster is already stacked with, you know, Black women and Black women working in the same field as I am. So Mm -hmm. it was already just like, you know, 
confirmations everywhere for me. Yeah, I thought it was a perfect fit too. Um, I, before all the pandemic stuff, um, Claire and I have very similar tastes in art. <laughs> she had reached out and said, hey, do you want to curate a show in my gallery? And I was like, uh, hell yes, I do. <laughs> um, and, then, and then everything, you know, yeah. I haven't left my tiny town in a year and a half. Um, and then in there somewhere, you you got signed. And then I've had Bisa on my podcast. And so, um, you know, Claire just keeps coming up over and over. And so I, she's got a show coming up soon. Did you see the next show with those crazy mm-hmm. crystal? Yeah, Lauren Fennestock. I'm so excited to see that work. I'm Ooh. just like, how do you make, I how know. do you do this? like magic I don't know just so gorgeous and so I commented I believe my comment was what I think that's what I wrote and uh Claire commented back and said yes ma'am and so now we're chatting again about you know I'm I'm one shot away from uh being able to travel again so hopefully I can come and curate something there and and uh, oh yeah that would be like I know that would be amazing for you but what a dream come true that would be for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could go out there together. Wouldn't that be something? Oh my God. I would be so excited for you to do that. Like all of these parts coming together. I know. Like it has that would to be happen. So great. It's just going to happen. We just have to do it now. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in there, you moved to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Somewhere mid pandemic, you guys. <laughs> You and Stephen moved to Toronto because now you're doing your MFA at OCAP. Yes. Yeah, we moved. We were like, well, the the, um, the program started was already online when we started. Okay. But we had already been, you know, because it was like, will it be online? Won't it? We had already started planning to move. And we were just like, let's just, let's just make the move now because our you know, it might not be like, if we can do it now, it, things are so unpredictable that right. you, you should just do it when you can do it. Um, so we decided to make the move and it was good because it ended up being like, we ended up in a little bit of a bigger space here. And um, with, with everything being locked down, I just, we have a, we got like a two bedroom. I just used the two, be- the second bedroom as like a studio space. And Steven can have like a little bit of a studio space um in like the dining well it's not really a dining I you but where the table is where the table is (laughs) um so that worked out really well for us because we're still online and I'm really thankful to have like a dedicated space to be working because finding like an outside studio space right now would have been so hard not being able to just see anything or go anywhere. So yeah. I think it, I think it worked out really well, even though we moved during the pandemic, I think it's worked out well for us. And so then you'll, so it's two years, right? You'll, yes. It's yeah. two years. So hopefully in September, you'll actually be at the school. Is that we're hoping, <laughs> Yeah. We're hoping to like, uh, we, when we first got here, we walked outside the school. So yeah, we've seen, and it's such We've a cool, it's such a cool school and, and such a great neighborhood. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I used to live like a five minute walk from there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. I right know. across from the HEO. It's really nice. Yeah. It's a cool spot. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully 
you'll actually get to go there. Um, yeah. And so what are you, I was so curious, like, um, first of all, what your other, um, like the other master's students that you got, I guess you meet online and stuff. What did they think about this giant show? You know, it's funny because they like, uh, I guess like I, things started, you know, it's only been, I signed with Claire in September. So it hasn't been that long. So things really, really changed for me while I was in that program. And yeah. it was, I guess it was like all of us were, it was happening at the same time for me as for them. It wasn't like yeah. I came in and right. So it was like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, they're, they're just a wonderful, amazing group of people, super incredible. So, you know, they're very, very supportive and, um, you know, sharing it online and giving me feedback about the work too. So I think. Yeah, it's been, it's been good, but the show happened also while, when we weren't in a class together. Oh, okay. Which yeah. I kind of, I was like, I'm not a person who's like, I love being the center of attention. Like <laughs> I actually get very <laughs> nervous. So that was good. But so many people reached out to me just online or just like for a quick chat um it was just really uplifting and such a beautiful experience they're they're a great group and so what are you focusing on uh, with your MFA like are you um are you trying to push yourself in a different direction like why do the MFA like what what's I don't know what yeah I get that (laughs) common question I get it a lot I guess for me um you know, I'm, I'm a kind of person I love. I it's, it's a bit of a cliche thing to say, but I do really, really love learning. And um, I love being in, I feel like being in an academic environment is a good spot for, for me to do that. I know that's not the same for everyone, but I just feel a lot of growth. Like I mentioned before, in a shorter period of time, being connected to like the incredible professors in this program and um, being shared, like having the resources shared with me that they have and the vast knowledge from all the different backgrounds and also connecting with the other students in my cohort. It's just, um, you know, people from all different kind of backgrounds and all different walks of life coming together and sharing and giving their perspectives on um, being able to give their perspective on my work and I can see some of their process too um so I just felt like I was already I think I finished I finished Emily Carr in 2016 and it just I just felt like I wanted to make that push right now to get back into like that academic environment Mm -hmm. I very much like for me my work is very much based in in theory, it's it's like uh, the conceptual part of my work is really important, the underpinnings of the practice, and I want to continue developing that. I don't want that to be stagnant. So that's that's part of why I'm in this program to to keep pushing that development and to keep learning in that way. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you'll ever end up teaching. Would you want to teach? I don't know. I I. I, the door isn't shut on that for sure. I don't know if I think of myself like, am I a teacher? I think I could be like, 
I could have like the coolness of a teacher, but <laughs> do I have like the teaching part of the teacher? <laughs> you could just be a professional student. Is that where you want it? Is that where you want to go? <laughs> we'll see. The door yeah. is not, you know, like I, I, I don't like to like close myself off because if I had, you know, I, if I had done that, like whatever, five years ago, then I wouldn't have been here now. So yeah. I, yeah. I kind of stay open and Part of that is like having this presence of the moment and making sure that I am absorbing and living within what's happening now instead of looking, not instead, I have to do them in tandem, but I don't want to be, you know, all the way too much of myself into the future. I want to make sure that I am feeling what's happening and and really getting what's happening right now. That feels very um, like a Caribbean thing. I don't is know. It? I, I is don't that know like part it, of the culture. It feels like, you know, it seems like it would be like a thing where just like, you just enjoy the moment that you're in instead of. I think that for sure is like part of, of being Caribbean too, is wanting to um, like my, I feel like I learned that from my dad a lot too, where it's like, you can't, he was the kind of man, he, he passed away in 2016, but he was the kind of man who really lived his life. He was like, I want to do this thing. I'm going to do it, you mm-hmm. know, um, because you don't know what's, what will happen tomorrow. Like that's Caribbean people have like that kind of perspective a lot. Of, mm-hmm. You don't know what tomorrow brings. So I, I would never be one of those. There's a lot of people who like, yeah, you know, like suffer a grind for like 10 years and then you'll be set up for the next 30 years. Yeah. But what if, you know, you don't know what'll happen. <laughs> what if you die the day, the day after those 10 years? <laughs> yeah, you always hear that, right? Money. People yeah. that retire and then they die that like a week later and it's like, oh man. Yeah, <laughs> now you spent the whole time working. So yeah. I'm like, I got to figure out this balance. I'm yeah. part of that is like momentary presence. I'm like, I have to, of course there's work to be done, but enjoying life and finding rest. I am not about the grind. I am not that person like, oh, on my grind 24 seven. No, my friend Pia (laughs) has this thing. She says like, she's a soft black woman. She is releasing the strong black woman. And I'm like, yes, I am soft. And I love that. Yeah, I love that too. Um, I was going to say, like, you know, from Vancouver's whiteness to moving to Toronto, there is a much larger Caribbean population there, but you haven't really been able to, like, do any exploring. You guys have been locked down the whole time. Yeah, we only explore, like, within our neighborhood. And, of course, like, food, yeah. Yes, of course, You can still get food. (laughs) Yeah. So I've been indulging in that a lot, Caribbean food. There's, like, a Jamaican potty place that's, like, five minutes walk from me yeah so we ate What's a that lot area of, of town i am blanking it starts with a k kensington kensington have you been okay. to kensington no i barely know what that like oh i don't know where anything is i only <laughs> guessed i was like maybe that's <laughs> kensington market it's awesome i'm sure it is it's locked everything is locked up right now but oh mm-hmm. my gosh hopefully you know if things turn a corner this summer it is really fun and vibrant and the food is amazing and like mm-hmm. I bet you will just love it I think so I think I'm so excited to explore the city like I already can feel the difference 
It feels, I guess, it feels a little bit closer to home, you know. Um, I I like that about it. I can feel like the Caribbean culture and influence here. Yeah. And um, I love that. So I'm excited to really experience it in a full way. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that soon. Um, okay. One more giant thing to talk about. Oh, gosh. <gasps> I really? just saw this, I think, was it yesterday on Instagram? I Florida. Mm-hmm. Let's talk mm-hmm. about that. First museum show. I'm going to have to title this episode, What the What? Because there's a lot of what the what's. Go, tell us about how this happened. If you have like fully absorbed the realness of this, when it's happening, blah, blah, blah. I have not fully absorbed the realness. (laughs) I'm like, uh, you know, it just feels like something that I'm saying. I'm like... (laughs) Is this, you know, I, even my show that I just had in New York, I was like, is this, it was happening. And I was like, wait, is this real? You know, it's, it's like a, it, I guess it's coming so fast. It's hard to, to kind of like reconcile that in my mind, but I am just so excited and I'm so, so, so happy and proud to be having this moment it's like an absolute honor and i i'm i just can't say how how like how grateful i am for it and i met some of the team from um mfa st pete they are incredible they are just the loveliest people and so how did that happen museum of fine arts st petersburg is in florida how like mm-hmm. was it through the show in new york or how what happened it's, it's claire it's claire has claire. all the connections man she was like you know she she's just i i when i say i don't know how she does it i literally do not know so <laughs> she had like she's always like She's really, really on it, and it's just an incredible the connections and um, the work that she does, and the people that she's always working with are always so such wonderful people. Like um, the MFA CMP team, um, Kristen Shepard and Catherine Pill, who I've been working with. Oh my gosh, what lovely people! That's just like you know they are incredible at the work that they're doing. But what like a like what like just like the icing on the cake that they're all so nice yeah right yeah <laughs> just, so you love it when that happens I love it <laughs> so I'm so excited I'm super excited to be doing that and, when, when um, is it it's next year so in May okay. yeah so we're about Ooh. one year out from it I know you it's, gotta it's get like, going holy cow yeah. oh yeah I know um it, it, it's coming together it's coming together really really well so I have good support from so is it a soul like a solo exhibition then yes yes i know no i know it's just what what a moment man so so incredible i i mean i'm so happy to have you on the podcast right at this moment because Mm -hmm. i feel like we're documenting history like it is like you are knee deep in it right now like this is such a cool um you know, eventually you're going to be like, oh, yes, it's my seventh museum show. <laughs> I, I don't think I'll ever be like, I think I'll always be like, what, me? No. 
<laughs> it's so, I'm so happy for you. It's just so exciting. I, I mean, I always loved following you since we met because I just love your work, but then like all the news things that keep coming up, I'm like, Gia, what the, it's so cool. And uh, yeah. it's like, oh, I knew her when. Um, and so, yeah, that is really exciting. So next May. Okay. Well, I guess next that's May. what your um, MFA work will be in the fall is <laughs> making stuff for that. I'm, not, I'm like, how do I, <laughs> don't worry. I, I, I got it. I'm finding the balance. So it's actually nice to be able to work on them at like, together yeah thank goodness I'm studying what I'm doing yeah no kidding how no would kidding. I do it otherwise it's and it's can good. I ask like what does Stephen think of all of this oh he is the most supportive like he just throws a party every time because <laughs> I I have anxiety right so when I hear good news it's like a double I'm like <gasps> I'm like, I'm happy, but also like, what a roller coaster. I'm and the same like, way. I'm the same way. Yeah. He's a, oh my gosh. Couldn't ask for a better partner right now. He is, um, he's always been that way though. Just like. You guys um, have been together for a long time. Yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Almost like going on to 11 years. It's yeah. been a long time. We know each other really well. And um, I'm thankful because he does know, he's able to predict kind of what I need. Mm. And, um, he knows when I'm going to have a meltdown. So that's like, you know, before me, before he's me, like, oh, so. geez, here it comes, here it comes. <laughs> and he's like, make sure you eat. He always comes to the studio. Did you eat? He's like, I'm, I'm bringing you food and you have to eat it. Okay. <laughs> Did you drink water? It's like, why do I need water? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like, cause I can see it's You're about to erupt. Um, <laughs> That is just so exciting. Okay. Well, I think I've covered all of the insane things that are happening, but is there more stuff that I don't know about? Like, is there anything else you want to tell people about before I make you do the not so speedy speed mm, round? Not so speedy speed round. I think we have, yeah, I think we've covered, I think we've covered everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's say yes. We have. Okay. Let's say yes. We have. Okay, good. All right. Not so speedy speed round. We kind of talked about this a tiny bit. If you're getting takeout for dinner, what are you getting? Oh my gosh. It's Friday. Wait. It's Friday night. That's takeout night in our house. What would you get? Oh, if I were to get something today? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, no. What if you were at home, I guess? What, what's your go-to? Oh, my go-to? That's hard because I have like a go-to from every area. Like I have my go-to sushi, go-to Chinese. If I'm home in Nassau, I have like a checklist of food. I'm like, I ate this, check. I got that, check, check, check. If I can go down that list twice, I'm happy. Um, <laughs> but I will say I would get um, some curry goat, curry goat for dinner. Oh, okay. And can Sorry you... to the goats. I... Poor goats. <laughs> How, have you found anywhere like uh the place the jamaican patty place that you said is down the street like have you are you feeling satisfied with your takeout options where you are or do you need more um well i certainly always welcome more yeah but <laughs> i feel like i toronto food is just like so good so i feel yeah. like i have a lot of great options 
a lot of good Caribbean options. I'm feeling, I'm feeling happy. Yep. After this, I'm going to message you some of my favorite places. Oh, I would love that. I, I lived on that. the Danforth for years, which is the Greek mm. area. Um, lots of good restaurants over mm. there. And then I lived right downtown at Richmond and Spadina. So there was a lot of like Queen oh. West, Queen, like, you know, a lot of places oh, around yeah. there. So whenever I go back, Hopefully I'll be back there while you're still there. Oh my God. Yes. That would right? be so good. Yes. And I always stay at a hotel that's like a block from my old apartment. And I go to the coffee shop where Greg and I planned our wedding because we did all the little oh. seating charts sitting at our little local coffee shop. And I go oh. to all the like our regular because they're all still there, which is kind of amazing. That's so sweet. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. I've been gone for a long time, but my fave places are still there. So I'll give you a list. Yay. Okay. See, this is why it's the not so speedy speed round. That, that was, was one question. Okay. Um, well, this might be difficult for you. The most favorite piece of clothing you've ever owned. You can go back to childhood here too. What? Yeah. Oh Did my you God. have like a coat that you loved or like a pair of shorts that were the best? Like what did. Okay. okay. I'm going to say my, I used to have like a pink swimsuit probably when I was like Four, but I wore that thing until I was probably like eight. It had to burst <laughs> off me. Yeah. For me to take it off. But I used to, I, I felt like, I don't know, you know, those, those, um, like the girls from Saved by the Bell, they used to wear those, like, <laughs> I felt like a nineties queen in that. So I think that that probably was one of my favorite things to wear. I'm going to say the pink it was like a one piece with a frill around like the waist area. Oh yeah. I know. Yeah. I that know. was it. Exactly. The, a lot um, of Facebook ads have been served up lately. I don't know why on my Facebook of children's swimsuits. I don't mm. have like a little girl, but I get, I love them all. And I'm like, oh, it's like for a kid. I'm like, what, where are the grown up sizes? <laughs> They're, I know. they're all like literally <laughs> glittery and like mermaid-esque and I'm like I need one of these now just I want that yeah can you make it in big people maybe you can yes. get maybe you can get like two and sew it together yes yeah just it, one like... from the top one from the bottom and hope they meet up somewhere <laughs> oh sweet god no not after a year and a half of quarantine um okay okay same kind of camp most favorite hairstyle you've ever had because you you rock a lot of looks. Yes. Yes. That's part of like, you know, like that's part of being a black woman too. Versatility with hair. You'll notice that we change hair a lot, which I love. Yes. Um, hmm, favorite, you know, I got to say my favorite look is probably just my fro, like my natural hair just out yeah. and like the twist out, I would say is probably my, oh, it'd probably be my signature look. <laughs> If you'd, if you'd like to call it that, my signature look, so. Yeah, um, New York <laughs> Times and museum shows, just so you know, this is my signature look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot of good looks. Your, your hair always looks awesome. And I do love, Thank we you. didn't even talk about that, but I do love that that, that is a huge part of your work too, right? Mm-hmm. It's like um, so many of the silhouette pieces have really cool amazing hairstyles mm-hmm. that are referenced and and your sewn drawings too like the there's braids and you know there's detail in the, the way that you sew them and I know mm-hmm. that that's a huge part of um culture for black women is is your hair it is yeah that's why I am like 
For me, oh, sorry, this is going to be a not speedy question again. See, uh, quick, that's okay. Quick, it's quick. right in the name. It's not so speedy. It's fine. Um, like for me, part of my journey of like self-discovery and learning to really love myself was connecting more with my hair. Mm. Um, I feel like my hair, on, especially my natural hair too, is, is such a connector to my ancestral line. Um, which, you know, uh, being a person from the Caribbean, I don't have, like, I, I'm not able to really trace back too far where, like, through specific family members back many, many generations. But I feel like I have that within me. And I especially can explore that with my hair and different hairstyles. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's such a celebrated part of my work. And I, I just love the community. Um, black women have cultivated around hair care and um, showing love to eat to one another through hair care and sharing hairstyles. So it's, it is a major part of my practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what I was um, where I was going to go and then got distracted when I was talking about when you first got to Vancouver, like, did you become more aware of your hair and hairstyles when you got to Vancouver and well, yeah, because everyone was like, oh my gosh, it was just, first of all, it was the people who was like, can I touch your hair? Yeah. Oh, oh no. my gosh. No, first of all. <laughs> and then they will get mad if they, sometimes they'll just reach out immediately. I'm like, don't like so, wipe their hand yeah. away. Get, get off. Um, so that, you know, I immediately was like, what is this? Like, I, of course, acknowledge like the magic of black hair, the beauty of it. I was like, what is this allure to like, want to touch? And, um, I feel like I started to explore that more through my work. Also just like my features of being, of being a black woman. Um, I felt, you know, I felt like very, very hyper visible in Vancouver. Yeah. I felt like, you know, every space I went into, sometimes I would be the only black person there. And I feel it was something that people didn't encounter regularly. So it was a moment of like, whoa, something new happening here. But I had to really. <laughs> You're also a bit of a knockout though. Like you do come oh, in room when you walk in. You've gosh. got good fashion and you got to, you know, like people whoa. are going to look. <gasps> Wow. Yeah, now sorry. I you keep gotta, that. Yeah, you got to brace yourself. You're going to get checked out. I'm sorry. I'm writing this down so I remember forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to propel me for the rest of the month. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but it, it was like, a th- like, it was very like, what is happening? So I thought I, that must I be. I really that. wanted to ask you that because I was like, uh, yeah, that must have been the case for sure. My sister, yeah. when my sister was 11 years old, she won a, a writing contest in our school and, and her at, she got to go to um, our sister city in Japan for like 10 days and live with a family mm. with her. Well, my sister is even more fair and more blonde than I am mm. and freckles and everything. And people just wanted to touch her. Yeah. They thought she yeah. was an angel or something. They were like, what is this? <laughs> white blondie like pale <laughs> little angel and she was just, she was 11 and she wasn't with our family she was with the home oh and she gosh. was so scared because people kept wanting to touch her yeah it's yeah. like you have to now na- it's a lot of navigation of like you have to really navigate like is this harmless or harmful like right. at what point do I 
you know, it's a, it's a, um, it's a tough line to walk sometimes because all this responsibility is then put onto you to how, on how to navigate that right um, experience when really it should be the other people kind of like minding their own business. Really. Yeah. <laughs> to- do, you, do you ever watch John Oliver? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Did you see John the piece Oliver. he did about black hair? No, I oh didn't. Oh my gosh. It was so good. It was maybe two or three weeks ago. Just Google it. I'm sure it's online now. It was so good. He, you oh, know, I they do such a good out. job on that show with their research and stuff. And I think you should, yeah, go, go find it. I'll try and put it in the post too, if I can find it. Cause it was really insightful and very good for white people to like actually, you know, learn and get it and be, mm-hmm. and stop touching you. Yeah. Just like- wait till you're, if you have a baby and you have, like, have your natural hair and be super pregnant people are going to be all over you. Oh my, that's like the one thing I feel so bad for pregnant women. Everyone's like, can I touch your belly? And like, Would you, you like, touch a random, another person's belly? I know. So and, and like you said, the, sometimes people wouldn't ask. Like I lived in Vancouver when I was pregnant with Charlie and I worked right up till the end. So I was gigantic <laughs> and people would just like in, um, what's it called? Yale town would just touch me. I'm like, ah, no, like I'm still. This is not separated from me. Yeah. I'm still. This is part of me. Yeah, I'm a person. Hello. Yeah, get away. Yeah. So just wait. You know, if you do that, then everybody's going to be all over you from top to bottom. Oh my gosh. We're gonna. You have oh. to go back into lockdown so that you're safe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have one final question. I don't know why I wanted to ask you this question. Oh, but I'm excited. I was now. like trying to th- come up with a different fourth question, and I just kept thinking this. Um, have you ever seen the shark? The shark? A shark. Like Oh, in the- a shark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in the Bahamas, are there sharks? There's sharks. I've I've seen like well, there's the Atlantis Resort there, which like has like nurse sharks where you can okay. easily see them. Um, have I ever seen a shark in outside of that in the natural no yeah. I don't I'm not a, like this is gonna be maybe not a surprise I'm not a big I'm water deep water person I love the beach and I love like going swimming and that kind of thing but deep water um there's something so like how people like dive off of a boat into the open ocean yeah no that's I where would, you see the sharks that's where the sharks are no I wouldn't I wouldn't do that I would just be like Oh my God, something's going to get my foot. Something's going to, so I, yeah, I'm not, I don't think I'm adventurous enough to have seen one. Fair enough. Um, I never have either. We purposely went, we went to Barbados uh, for our honeymoon and um, my husband made me research the last time there was a shark sighting or attack in Barbados before we went <laughs> to make sure. Yeah. And it had been 53 years. And oh, so I oh, was wow. like, that's a long time. He's like, but what if now is the time? Like it's been 53 years. <laughs> He's like, that's so funny. He's like, what if what the if? cycle is yeah. 53 years? Yeah. And now and show the time up again. right there. Anyway, we did not see <laughs> one. We funny. saw turtles. That was about it. Um, um, my partner actually used to work. He was an Aquarius. So he used to work. I know what did, he's, he's had so many lives, right? Like, he knows so much about sharks and fish and like he used to he used to go like deep sea diving and stuff like that. And he's seen like sharks in the like no. I don't know, do you call that the wild in real life? Like hammerhead sharks and stuff like that? No, I don't like any um, of that. 
No, but he used to take care of them. And um, yeah, he knows. So he has done all that. He's a renaissance man. Yeah. You guys are just the cutest. I love all your little Instagram photos of the two of you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I I was in Australia once. There's a lot of sharks in Australia. (laughs) Yes, I It's all you can think. Well, it's all a Canadian girl can think when she's in the water in Australia is shark, 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 shark. Shark, shark, mm-hmm. shark. And I was, um, I decided to be brave. Uh, I was there on my own and I went on this, I signed up for this um, like ocean kayaking adventure day thing with a group of people that oh, I didn't gosh. know. I know I was, <laughs> I, I was 25 and I was trying to put my big girl pants on and be brave. I was so shy and like, so anyway, I did it. Well, it was this crazy day. It was a beautiful day out, but there was a hurricane off the coast. So the waves were gigantic. Oh my God. And so um, the guide was Canadian actually. And he was like, oh, well, we can't, we can't snorkel because the waves are too big and we can't do all the things we're supposed to do. So let's just kayak surf on the big waves. So you'd like paddle out and then you paddle in and like, you're just sort of sitting surfing kind of on your butt on the kayak. Well, I fell off <gasps> quite deep. And I, my foot hit something sharp. And of course it was just a reef, but in my mind, my foot was in the mouth of a shark. (laughs) It's like, these must be teeth. Oh my God. I'm done. I was like, yeah, I was like, and I'm out. And back to the shore. Yeah. This is not for me. No, I was like, I need the next flight back to Toronto and call it a day, everybody. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why I had to ask you that, but I just did. And that was my last question. So there you oh, go. God. You have literally covered it all now. Wait, I want to ask you a quick round question. Now. Oh, okay. We have one. I'm looking around like I didn't have anything prepared. <laughs> what? I'm making this up. Okay. Um, <laughs> what? is if you had to pick one food to eat no i won't say the rest of your life that's not for one month every Every day day. what would you pick well i just said this to my son last night there's a little pub in town that makes these like waffle fries with cheese melted on them and it comes with a honey mustard dip and every now and then we get them at dinner and sometimes I'll just get them and then I'll make them, I'll just put them on the side of whatever I'm making, you know? Well, we had them the other night and I said to Charlie, I could literally eat these every single day for the rest of my life. <laughs> and he agreed. So, so you're spot on. Good. Yeah. I mean, it would not be great for the waistline to eat cheese covered potatoes every single day, but I would be so happy. Yeah. So it's like, right? I think that balances for me. Yeah. What if I wash them down with water? Water's good for you, right? Cleansing. Oh, I always tell people like, if you want to have something, this is how nutrition works for me. Okay, I don't know if it's it. like this for everybody. If you eat something bad and you eat like an apple or broccoli after, it's canceled. It's canceled. Could not agree more. So just eat like, well, I guess if you only could eat that, but you know, if you want, I'll, I'll give you the option. You can add in one thing. So if you eat like a piece of broccoli or something, or like an asparagus or something after, okay, it's just like you didn't eat that. Yeah. I love yeah. that theory. I think yeah. that sounds like science. I think sure. that is science. Yeah. I, I did. Don't ask Steven. Science. 
No, oh wait. No. Don't let's whisper. Yeah. So that he doesn't destroy our yeah, our theory. Our I theory. think that's a great working theory. I mean, this is an art podcast. It's not a science podcast. So I think we can come up with our own theories yeah. and approaches. Yeah. Prove me sure. wrong. Yeah. Prove me wrong. <laughs> oh, Gia, this is so fun. I can't believe it's been so long since we actually spoke but I mean that's the beauty of Instagram I feel like I've you know have known what you're up to for years but mm-hmm. the next plan will be we either meet up in New York at Claire's <gasps> Gallery or Toronto and I, I give you my little my little Danielle tour of Toronto oh my gosh that sounds like a dream I'm Wouldn't just like great? drooling over this like, like leaving your apartment yes <laughs> but also like the potential gallery meetup, I swear, I like for me, that would just be like, I, I think that's going to happen. I, th- I totally I feel, feel like, like that's going to happen. I feel it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I if think- we put Claire on it, Claire, who makes everything happen, we'll just tell oh her to gosh. do it and then we'll be there in like 10 minutes. She'd probably plan like a giant ball. Yeah. Like- <laughs> She'd be like, oh, we're actually closing down New York for a ball. So this is what we're going to do. She can make it happen. (sighs) Okay, deal. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to let you go get back to your MFA, planning for your museum show, coming down (laughs) off the New York show. And um, I guess I'll just see you on Instagram or something. And Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll do our planning from there. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been this was so fun and I'm I'm just so happy to be here sharing this time with you. It was it was really really great. What it's it such was. an honor. I'm so excited for you and I'm so happy that I get to like be right in there not only watching but asking all the questions and um now all the people who are your fans already and now new fans they're going to know everything including shark information. So I feel like I've done my job for the, you know, for the art canon, for art history. I've, I've covered it all. Oh, for sure. This is more, this is more than enough. It's it's wonderful. It really, it really is. Um, (laughs) All right. Okay. Well, you have a lovely day and I will talk to you soon. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. You guys, isn't Gio the best? So talented, so insightful, so lovely. And her theories about nutrition are truly brilliant and revolutionary. I'm going to try them all this weekend. <laughs> oh, I hope we get to meet up in Toronto or New York. Actually, you know what? I'm going to put 100 bucks on the fact that Claire is listening to this episode right now. So I'm just going to put this out there for her and see what this magic-making lady does with it. <laughs> no pressure, Claire. Thank you so much to Gio for taking time out of her very busy, super insane life to chat with me. Everything that we talked about, the artwork, links to the shows, the articles, um, all of it's over on my site right now. So just pop over to thejealouscurator.com to have a look. Thanks again to Wireframe for supporting this episode. Find them wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And a great big thanks to all of you for listening. There will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then.